creating opportunities for leadership is important for mm-hmm. us. And so over the last number of years, we have developed new programs and new opportunities for people to grow and mm-hmm. move into different um, areas of the business to help lead those yeah. areas of business. Thanks for joining us for episode two as we continue our conversation with Tom Owens, Managing Director Gensler, and our host, Isabel Tolland, Director of Alien Sage Architects, a practice she and Amelia Holiday established as their alter ego. Isabel is a highly sought-after speaker and thought leader. We'd like to thank our launch partner, Zenith Interiors, which designs, manufactures and distributes leading-edge furniture for corporate and commercial environments. Zenith Interiors inspires organizations to excel. Thanks also to our supporting partner, Total Synergy. Synergy is cloud-based business and project management software for architects. It centralizes your business and project information, giving you more time for design. Try Synergy free for 30 days at totalsynergy.com forward slash ADR. So how integrated then is the business here in Sydney with the global offices? I mean, how is the business all quite interrelated or do you each kind of practice almost as separate studios that then answer back to each other or... We all are independent offices, and so we're responsible for our own P&L. But um, what's most important is that all of that at the end of the year kind of rolls up to Mm -hmm. one place, Mm -hmm. so to speak. All the profits are redistributed down to each office based on a number of factors. And the reason why I can get into lots of detail about that if you'd like, but the reason why, you know, this is done is it's a really great equalizer. It's a really good uh, method for um, maintaining Again, the idea that the firm is one mm-hmm. and no matter what one office is doing or the other, as long as we're taking care of each other, then we should be okay with the fact that we are sharing our profits and mm-hmm. um, our resources and you yeah. know, our successes together. It's a fascinating way to, to look at, but it also makes a lot of business sense. Let's say one region is having a tough time because of what a political climate or maybe there, there was some natural disaster um, mm-hmm. that affected the region in, a, in an unusual way. The firm can support that sort of blip in that year uh, for that particular region. So um, it's really helpful, Mm. um, but also really um, important for the firm to support all of the offices and regions in that way. So what was the impetus to start the office in Sydney as well? Was there a particular project here or client that drew you to this area? At the time, Gensler was growing because our clients were bringing us to new places. So zooming back to or late 1960s, let's say, our office, first and only office was in San Francisco, and um, our second office was in Houston, which right. was an unusual second office location, if you think about it. You, mm. you would think it would be L.A. or New yeah. York, but it was Houston because our client at the time in San Francisco, who was headquartered in Houston, wanted us to do a major project there for them, and it meant that we needed a project office. Mm-hmm. And so that office grew from that, and it's now you know an, an amazing office um, in Texas. And so that's how our offices would start, would start by clients bringing us to new cities. Sydney was one of the first offices where we didn't grow that way. We planted ourselves here with the hopes of building an office organically. It was a very different way of Mm. looking at it. And it worked. But it really meant just keeping our eyes down, 
doing great work, meeting great clients, doing really great work for them. And over the last five years, you know, that's something that we've been, you know, pretty proud of that we could do. But it, it takes it takes um, a lot of work and a lot of networking and making sure that we are very connected to our global clients. We're connected to the local market in new ways because, again, it's all very new for us. So it's a very different way of, of starting up an office. Do you have particular clients? I guess perhaps in that time when Gensler started out, it seems from my knowledge you would have kind of particular clients and they would be generally quite faithful and would be repeat clients and that kind of thing. Do you think that that's shifting now? This was something, a conversation I had with Adam Haddo actually from SJB. It was quite interesting. He was saying that actually with large corporate clients, there's often not a lot of corporate knowledge that that is retained. Mm. So people forget <laughs> that you actually yeah, did work memories. for them. So you've got to keep winning it again. That does happen. Right. Um, and also people move, right? So mm. they might have been your contact in that particular project. And then the next time that project comes around, let's say in another five to 10 years when their lease is up, they might have moved on to a different company. And yeah. so that relationship with that brand could be severed. That is constant. But what we have seen and recently, this was a stat that, that came out, and I'm going to get the number wrong, so I'm going to do my best here. But it used to be roughly 80% repeat work for the firm globally. Right. Right. Um, and that's something we're really proud of and something that we, we enjoy because we enjoy working with the same clients over and over again. And they bring us to different places. So it might be a workplace project you know, one year, and then it'll be workplace and their building. And then it might be the workplace they're building and their cafe. And it grows from there. But the new stat is over 90%. So it's actually grown. Our repeat work, percentage of repeat work has actually increased. Yeah, For the same client, the same company. So more of our clients are coming back to us than ever. Yeah, Um, that's interesting. Because as you say, though, individuals move. So I wondered whether the shift was more that it's the, the individuals that kind of remain faithful because, you know, they've had that experience. So they might move to a different company, but they come back to you for the work. It's the individual. But so, so you're finding a lot of your clients, the individuals perhaps are retained in those companies or it's just that they, they have good commun- internal communications perhaps right. and retain, retain right. their knowledge. Um, I think it's a little bit of that, but also yeah. we have found that it's very important that when you do have a great relationship with somebody in the business that you're not just, you don't just have a relationship with that one person, right. that you understand the whole structure behind it and how they, how they are structured as a team. And you must get to know more than just that one person so that if somebody does move, and they will, because mm. it's the nature of things these days, you still have a, a really good understanding of who the decision makers are yeah, sure. and what their goals are. And, and if you're, mm. if you're doing their projects, we tend to really get embedded in the way that they're thinking and yeah. how important it is in, um, for them to achieve their goals and their vision. And so when you understand that, then you're speaking their language. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I suppose in an ideal scenario, perhaps your client base grows. So then, you know, when somebody shifts, you know, you have two companies <laughs> that remain faithful to you or when it come back to you as well. So All the time. Yeah. And so again, that person will then go to another company or Mm. start their own business and we'll be the first people they call. Yeah. So you've been in Australia for five years now. Mm. With your insight over all of the various offices across the globe, do you think there are any particular differences between any of these offices in terms of the office culture, for instance, the office dynamic, or even the gender balance across those different offices? The culture in Gensler is a very interesting thing. It is constant across all of our offices. So it's the most important thing to us that we get the culture right. Um, Gensler has always been a collaborative, supportive environment. It's all about helping. It's all about the we versus the I culture. It's something that we talk about a lot. It's in one of our guiding principles. 
because of that, no matter what office you go to across the world, you'll feel the same culture, if that makes sense. So obviously the Bangkok office is different from the London office and from an office like the Pittsburgh office. They're going to be different, but the underlying feeling and culture is the same. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's fascinating thing and you don't really get it until you visit the other offices, whether you're traveling on, on annual leave or you're there for a project, go to the office and meet people and you will get the sense that you're all in the, you, you feel that um, they are your colleagues. Um, right. It's interesting and mm. difficult to explain, but it makes a lot of sense. And just someone the other day had gone to another office um, in the U S I think it was the Boston office and, and had their first taste of that. And they were amazed by, you know, how, how interesting that feeling was. Yeah. So um, to your question on on male, let's say male to female ratio, that has that has been a roughly fifty fifty split for as long as I can remember. I think currently it is fifty two percent female identified female than to male. It has always been um, a really nice split in the company. Is that um, across all levels too, like in sort of directorship or leadership levels too? For the most part, yes. Our co we have co CEOs, both female and male, and so right from the very top, let's say, all mm-hmm. the way to the studio level, we see a really good balance. Yeah. Was that active? That kind of um, ensuring that you had that balance, or was it something that actually happened relatively? From my, from my perspective, it seems organic. It mm. seemed like it made a lot of sense because the team, the leadership team at the time was a good mix. And mm. it, not only is it something that um, may be handed to you, sometimes, you know, we call it voluntold, you know, where you're saying, hey, you're going to do this thing now. And they were the obvious choice because mm. they really wanted that and they saw how important it was and their desire to see the firm grow and change and do really great things was really important to them. And mm. so it made sense that they would move into that role. So do you you haven't felt then that there are any particular challenges in achieving that balance for the practice overall internationally? Mm, look, I think we always have to keep an eye on that. But what's what's good, what's nice to see is that it's not something we have to force. The type of work that we do attracts people from all walks of life. And yes. so it's much easier for us to just look at the talent and look at what they do and what they do well mm. than their gender, let's mm. say. And so our office in Sydney is, I think, maybe 60% female but who's counting right i think you just look look over the office and it's a really interesting and fun mix of people yeah that is interesting isn't it i do think it is perhaps in that particular field as you say that it is perhaps easier to achieve that balance whereas other architectural firms that are doing kind of i know you guys do large-scale architectural projects as well i don't know perhaps in different offices you sort of mentioned that different offices in different locations maybe have a different have different focuses or slightly different focuses. Do you think that that maybe impacts changes with that sort of balance? I think it does. I think that maybe some studios might have an imbalance Mm. um, within a larger office. But again, that same office will have other studios that might be imbalanced in a different way. Yeah. Um, So overall... Balances out. Balance (laughs) is key, right? Yeah. And I'm not going to say that it's just happening organically and, nat- and naturally. I can't say that for sure. Mm. And that usually doesn't result in you know, mm. the perfect balance. But um, there is a really nice synergy to mm. the practice areas that we decide to focus on in each office. And that typically results in a really good, like I said, balanced mix of people. 
it's hard, it's yeah there is no right or wrong answer but i no. do recognize that there are some practices that are uh maybe more male dominated than mm. female and that might have to do with a lot of different factors yes um including you know um just who, the availability of of folks their their availability or their interest in the work and their passion to stay in the career and then to get the job and to work in an environment where it is male dominated that's it's really tough and um, something that um you know we're like i said we're always keeping an eye on to make mm. sure that um whenever we spot that kind of behavior in our offices we stamp that out yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. The head office being in San Francisco and um, has historically been known as a very kind of tolerant, progressive city, I think. Mm. And and Sydney, interestingly, also previously, I don't know if it is currently, I would perhaps <laughs> question whether we are as, as tolerant as we may have been thought to have been previously. But do you have you found that an interesting kind of correlation moving from San Francisco to Sydney? Was that something that appealed to you about Sydney as well? Yeah, that was a definite factor. I think that's why I enjoyed visiting Sydney when I did so much because it felt very open and welcoming. And San Francisco, like you said, is very, very open, welcoming and tolerant. And so it made sense for me to move there um, because that matched my ideal place to live and work. And the office really embraced the San Francisco culture. Again, if you were talented and you had a good business sense and, and you wanted to come work at this firm, then we welcomed you in. And if you had, if you wanted to be a part of that family and that community, it was the place to be. And so it was, it's always been a fun place to work, but also very challenging. Um, we work very hard, as do most designers and architects work very hard for, on our projects. And um, what I did see moving here is there was, there was a, a correlation between the two. I think that it is still a very beautiful place and very open-minded and in a lot of similar ways to San Francisco. Do you think the company having its roots in San Francisco too and that kind of being the home of this business that has grown out of that culture from a very tolerant and um, open-minded, progressive place has been part of the success maybe of the business that has, has drawn people to your business as well? Yes. Yeah. I, I think very much. So mm-hmm. I think that we would have had a very different result if we were, uh, if the firm started somewhere else. Do you think that the same could be said for your clients too, that clients are drawn to the practice because of that sort of history as well? Yeah, I think that um, not necessarily at first. I don't think they understand it until they work with us and then right. they get to understand who we are and why we're different because um, we are different. Not every client will under- understand us and we're not for every client and yeah. that's okay. Yeah. But we we do have a very particular way of, of working and of communicating with each other and with our clients that is very special. So what is so particular and special about it, do you well, think? Our number one guiding principle is it all begins and ends with our clients and our client relationships. So a lot of people will say that, but again, it really is about them. Without them, we don't have work. Mm. Um, without them, we don't get to ex- explore all these ideas and do the things that we do every day. So it's really important to have a really good understanding of who they are and what they're about and what their challenges are so that we can help them solve those challenges. That's really what it is and if we can do that and have fun doing it and challenge ourselves and stretch you know our clients thinking and make some money while we're doing it then things are going well um, especially these days you know we have to overlay something that people have been talking about for a while now but really embed this into everyday thinking is we need to think a lot smarter about you know our impact on the environment and so we can get into a whole load of conversations on that but um 
you know, again, the idea of how we interact with clients on a day-to-day basis is unique. And at the end of a project, they usually do um, stop and say, hey, you know, this was very different and I really enjoyed this. And, you know, I look forward to working with you again. And when, when we get that kind of response, it, um, it means everything. Focusing on building your staff team, what is the key, do you feel, to hiring top talent? Well, number one is culture fit. So again, going back to that, if it's not a fit culturally, then it's it'll be complicated. Um, so what we like to do is focus first on whether or not that person will be a really good culture fit. And once we can get past that, then it is about you know the talent. And we'd like to hire, obviously, everyone likes to do this, but we're fixated on hiring the best people. You yep. know, we really want the best people in the door. And so getting that right mix of talent plus culture can be complex. Um, so what do you believe plays the most important role in keeping your staff sort of motivated and passionate about their work and their workplace? Obviously having great work is helpful, but it's not everything. Again, it's um, if you ask anyone, they, the, you know, why do you stay here or, or there? They'll say the people because right. they really enjoy working with those people. Mm. So you've got to get the culture right. And once you have that, then other things sort of spin off from that um, and are, are succeed. So for us, it's the culture plus growth opportunities for people. If they yeah. see themselves um, doing purposeful and meaningful work and headed um, in a direction they want to go in, for instance, yeah. if they feel like they want to be a project director, they want to lead um, a practice area or something. And these are you know big goals. We want to help them get there because mm. if we're providing opportunities for people to grow and expand on things, then they'll be engaged and happy and want to continue working there. But they also want to help build the business because again, we're building this business as a group. We're all invested in this business. So when we do well, we all share in the profits. It's a direct relation. So it, like I said previously, all of the profits come back to the employees in the form of bonuses at the end of the year on top of your, you know, your base salary. So we're always sort of thinking about that when we have our business hat on, you know? Um, And so again, creating opportunities for leadership is important for Mm. us. And so over the last number of years, we have developed new programs and new opportunities for people to grow and Mm. move into different um, areas of the business to help lead those areas of business. What kind of programs are they? We do have, a whole group of wonderful talent development people across the firm. We're lucky enough to have one in in Singapore and she's influential in putting together really great programs like um, one, interestingly enough, called the business of design. Um, And, and I took that a number of years ago and it was great because um, it helped me um, with the things that I'm doing today. Um, There's also some for design management. So it's project managers that we call design managers because they manage the design process, not Mm. project managers. Those, those people live and work outside of our business um, and we work, we pair up with them, right. On projects. So Mm -hmm. um, there are classes devoted to that or classes devoted to learning the consulting side of our business or about brand or Mm. about, um, you know, education projects. And that's, an important part of our growth and learning um, in the firm is that we, we like to share and teach each other what we know. So that's one side of the business. The other side is also how our business is structured. Um, so whether you want to focus your career more on, let's say, how the office is run or a particular typology of work 
if you want to get more into that, there is mm -hmm. a whole leadership structure and learning path in that. And so we've created, again, these paths for people to take. Again, it's not scripted. It's yep. very open, but at least those paths are there and they can see these avenues to go down and help grow their career the way that they want. Are there particular policies in place? Obviously, if you have staff that remain with you a for a long time, and especially if they've started off sort of early on the in their career perhaps and then progressed to more leadership roles and then obviously, you know, people's lives change over a particular period of mm. time too. You know, they start perhaps having a family and demands shift on their kind of lives outside of work, say, as well. Do you have any particular policies in place that enable that sort of shift in people's lives um, as they progress <laughs> external yeah. to work as, as well as within work? Yeah, of course. I think it's important to acknowledge that these things are always going to happen. Change is inevitable. It's happening all around yeah. us. And so we just need to be flexible. At the end of the day, we're running a business. So it has to make sense in terms of how the business is run. But people in particular positions, well, everyone in the office, really, the job needs to get done at the end of the day. But how we get there can change over time. And yeah. so if somebody needs to maybe take more time off or work um, remotely more often or take some time off or needs to transfer to a new office. We find ways to make that happen because we understand that keeping that person within the firm is holding on to that person and also their knowledge and how they contribute to our culture. You know, mm. it's all there. So we don't want to lose that. We want to hold on to that. So for instance, we have uh, one person in our office from the LA office who's um, here um, to study and is mm -hmm. working part-time. We have somebody that's moved here from our Costa Rica office right. um, and somebody here temporarily from our London office uh, mm -hmm. because they wanted to help on a project. So, um, and we have people currently in our Bangalore office in our um, LA office, you know, working on projects. So we do a lot of uh, moving around and mm. adapting to needs that way because it's important yeah. for us to allow for that. Mm. So perhaps that international office setup that you have enables people to have different experiences but within the one business. That's right. Thank you, Tom and Isabel. Join us next week to hear the final episode of Tom's Journey through the business of architecture and design. The Business of Architecture and Design podcast is produced by Joanne Davies, publisher of Australian Design Review and Architectural Review. Madeline Swain, Editor of Architectural Review and Niche Media. With thanks to our launch partner, Zenith Interiors, and also to our supporting partner, Total Synergy. For more information and links, visit the episode webpage. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us. <laughs>